This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. An Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan. Allen shakes Gray gets two! to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me as always is Rich Krejci. And we are back talking again with uh, with Adam Cribley, and uh, we this time we are going to talk about the top fifty case for Artis Gilmore, a great uh, ABA and NBA star from the seventies and eighties. And looking at kind of the uh, basic overall numbers for him, he is ninth all time in win shares and twenty uh, third all time in win shares for forty eight. But that is looking at both the um nba and aba and and, and rich and I, before we get kind of get more into this you yeah. know we we've sort of been talking about uh, throughout sort of our shows some of our like the the, the criteria that we were kind of going from like whether we were considering international play and how we were kind of considering the aba and you know we kind of the what we sort of determined is that we would go with like they to be under consideration, they had to be there based on their NBA credentials alone, but ABA credentials or any other kind of credentials could be a boost beyond that. And, and, and you, you agree with that, uh, obviously. Yeah, I, I think so. And we, we've we've discussed this a little bit. I think, yeah, that, that's the way I'm going to kind of use it is, is NBA always going to be first and, and in that. But, you know, if they have credentials and, and we're going to talk about a guy right now who who so far and away dominated their ABA in, in a way that, you know, if you have just OK stats in there, or at least decent stats in the ABA, I mean, we could sort of grade it on a curve a little bit, you know, that sort of stuff. Artis Gilmore is a guy, and we'll talk a little bit more about him, you know, as we get through this podcast. He's a guy who just so dominated the competition in the ABA that it's hard not to add that to his case. You know what I mean? Where, where here's a guy who his NBA case is okay, it's not bad. But then you look at his ABA, and then you look at a guy who, man, it's 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 hard not to make a case for him at, for the top fifty based off a lot of what he did in the ABA. But you know, using the NBA as the, as the main barometer for for their kind of career and judging it, so yeah. it, it's going to be tough. And it might be a case by case basis for a lot of these guys, but he's going to be one of the interesting ones because 
And he's one of the ABA's best. So yeah, I mean, he might honestly, yeah. he might be the best ABA player of all time. I mean, even including Dr. J. I mean, uh, he—that's how good his ABA uh, run was. Um, but uh, yeah, if you look at his totals, um, he is also—he's uh, also twenty fourth all time in value over replacement player for both leagues. And he is uh, 33rd all time in uh, box score plus minus. If you look at NBA only, they're still pretty strong. The 61st in win shares total, 49th in win shares per 48, uh, 33rd in box score plus minus, and um, 49th in value over placement player. So I, I still think that that's definitely a top 50 candidacy, just if you consider the NBA stuff. So uh, you know he, he certainly belongs in discussion. If he belongs in, there's that's another matter, but. Um, also has five all NBA first teams. And I was shocked that he did n- never made a all NBA first or second team. Um, uh, that surprised me a lot. He was a four time, um, all NBA defensive first team, one time NBA defensive second team. Um, he had, uh, he, he had 10 seasons where he was in the top 10 for win shares for 48. Five of them were ABA five NBA. And then six times top 10 value replacement player, uh, six of those were in the NBA. So, so, so very productive seasons uh, based on those metrics in the um, NBA and ABA. He is um, second all time in uh, true shooting percentage, an incredibly uh, efficient uh, shooter, or I, well, I guess scorer is probably the better way of putting it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't shoot from that far, but it was really you know one of the first people to ever combine high volume with high efficiency, which we talked a little bit with Curtis Harris about. Um, and was he's, he's 15th all time in rebounds per game, and um, he is uh, 15th all time in uh, blocks per game. So um, a, a lot of great uh, numbers there in some of the other um, all time ranks. He is 75th all time in the Bill Simmons Book of Basketball Pyramid, and he is 84th all time in the Slam 500 Greatest Players Ever. So that, that was quite a long winded uh, way of, of getting the point. But um, Adam, how do you feel about Artis Gilmore's top 50 case? Well, I think that you make you made a couple excellent points there. And I think the biggest one is the ABA question. And so like from ages, you know, 22 to 26, he's in the ABA and he's dominant and arguably uh, alongside Julius Irving, the best player in league history. And if you look at his I always like to, to go on basketball reference and check out similarity scores just to see kind of what other players might be uh, a similar rank and. For artists, I was amazed. So the top four similarity scores are Shaquille O'Neal, Bill Russell, David Robinson, and Moses Malone. Uh, and that, that's pretty elite company. And so if you include if you include those ABA years in there, e- even at somewhat of a discount, you have to include them in the conversation. Yeah, what's funny too, you know, I, I enjoy the similarity scores for you know a little bit for 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 looking at just scope of of guys careers as well and what's funny about Ars Gilmore you mentioned you know those first few years with him if you look at the comps of in those years in the you know at his age those first few years or whatever and you look at his comps in those years and the similarity scores for those first few seasons uh, his first season the highest comp is Kareem uh, second season, his highest comp is Wilt Chamberlain. Third season, Wilt Chamberlain. Fourth, <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain. Fifth, Wilt Chamberlain. Sixth, Wilt Chamberlain. Seventh, Wilt Chamberlain. You know, it sort of dies down a little bit as he kind of gets in the NBA and gets a little bit older. But th- I mean, that's a pretty good company to keep, huh? <laughs> it's Wilt Chamberlain. It's 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 amazing. I I it's 
it's incredible. It, it, it's a guy who really, really dominated the ABA, and it becomes an interesting question then of, of you know, we, we talked about how much you value the, you know, the ABA, how much you do that. I mean, when you're a guy that's so dominant, I mean, there's something there. I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the ABA, when he played, I mean, was a stronger league for most of that time, and obviously, you know, the top stars of the ABA came over to the NBA, and most of them did just as well. You know, they were the first year, I think, you know, half of the half of the all-stars were ABA all-stars and, you know, so I, I, I mean, you know, okay, maybe the ABA was a bit of a weaker league, maybe even particularly with big men, it was weaker league, but it, it, it was similar quality. I mean, I, I don't think we should knock him too much down for, oh, it's just ABA rather than NBA. Cause I, I think that level of quality was, um, was you know, pretty comparable. Um, I, you know, really, uh, I mean, Looking at the video for him was a really interesting revelation for me. Um, I, I did some, but not maybe not as much of the younger stuff. But really, I mean, he, you know, um, he was so fluid. He was so quick. His footwork was outstanding. I mean, he reminded me really of a mix of Wilt and Kareem, kind of bridging those guys as far as like um, – you know, not quite as graceful as Kareem, but kind of in that league, but also, you know, some of the physical dominance of just the height and the power of Wilt. I mean, it really was a um, a blend of those guys. And he's not quite as good, great as those guys, obviously. But, I mean, he still, um, you know, played tremendously well. And, in, in, you know, even in the NBA, I mean, he was still, you know, um, I mean, I, you know, he was he didn't really make, like I said, I was shocked that he didn't make any of those all NBA first and second teams. Now, back when he played, there was not a third team, which, which hurts a little bit. And, you know, he's behind Kareem and Moses, um, during that time, both for all NBA teams and all NBA, uh, you know, defensive teams. And there's, you know, there's Bill Walton here and there. There's Maurice Lucas, uh, for defensive team There's Mark Eaton, you know, so he's just always kind of stuck behind, you know, either a couple of great players or stuck behind, you know, uh, you know, a defensive specialist like Eaton or just, you know, guys who would, you know, here and there just have a really great year and would would knock him down. So, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Danley about like, you know, whether it's the, um, you know, is he knocked down because like he was underrated, like the things that he did really well weren't as appreciated then as they are now, or is he knocked down because, you know, the the people who watched him at the time were right. He just wasn't quite as good as, you know, the guys that he ended up being, you know, stuck behind. Well, I think artists actually was more, more respected by peers at the time than was Dantley. And so Gilmore came, you know, he came into the league and there were immediately calls that this would be the second coming of Wilt Chamberlain versus Bill Russell. The, the rivalry between Gilmore and Abdul Jabbar would kind of, kind of uh, mirror that or, or replicate it. And for a couple of years, it, it was it was a debate. I mean, obviously Kareem was the best player in the league, but but Gilmore was along with Malone definitely in the in that in that conversation for the next tier. And so I think he got more respect at the time among peers, certainly than did Dantley. But I but I think maybe in hindsight we see we saw um, it's almost like you can't unsee Patrick Ewing uh, playing for Seattle and Orlando. You know, we we kind of saw late career artists uh, and missed out on those ABA years when he was quick and when he was nimble and when he could block shots. And, uh, I think we, we kind of saw the, 
the the like I said the late career of him where he was he was slower and where Bill Simmons makes fun of him as rigor artists and uh, that's kind of the the picture that sticks as opposed to being the the tremendously skilled basketball player he was. Yeah, I think like Jason said, it was kind of a revelation watching the video of him because because a lot of the stuff that I've seen is you know, of course the the NBA stuff where he's just not quite that that player that we sort of the stats sort of show in the ABA and then you watch this ABA footage. I, I watched one of the clips. I think it was some 1977 game and just see just how dominant and just how he could go. And pretty much wherever he wanted on the court, there's one there's a few possessions where he gets like so close to the basket and he gets the ball so close to the basket, the other team just gives up. And, and even the announcer, the commentator says, well, artist is too close to the basket, so the defender's going to let him have that one. And it was just like, oh, my God, like like he just so physically dominated the guys and he was so efficient around the basket that pretty much he caught it within a few feet. And the guy said the guy literally just walks away and says, OK, well, you know, that possession's over. You know, I'm not going to worry about that. And that's just kind of crazy to think of a guy like that. And then you look at the numbers and it reflects. I mean, this is a guy who all-time great, you, you know, efficiency. I, I'll, I'll run down a few of the advanced stats here uh, for his position in uh, all-time era and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, of course, ABA and NBA that we're counting amongst these. But uh, 14th in points per 36, 21st in blocks per 36, uh, third in effective field goal percentage, third in win shares per 48. Wilton Kareem, obviously, are above him. And then second in win shares, uh, remarkably. And then uh, all-time, uh, 25th in points per 36, 40. Fifth in uh, total rebounds per 36, uh, 54th in blocks, fifth in effective field goal percentage, so all time among centers, you know, fifth in that, 10th in uh, win shares per 48, and then third in win shares. So you look at a guy, you know, you combine his ABA and NBA stuff, I mean, that's an all time, you know, top 10, arguably center uh, of all time. So it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable what he was able to do, especially on the efficiency end, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. I mean, the the numbers are so good for him. I mean, they really are. Even even without the NBA ABA stuff or or giving the ABA stuff a bit of a discount. I mean, you know, if you're just looking at the NBA numbers, I mean, they just. I mean, I don't know. I I have a hard time making a case for him not being in. Um, honestly, I mean, you know, I, I from what you know, kind of the research I've done, and um, you know, from what I've read, there's not really necessarily a reason to not put him in other than, you know, he wasn't as great as, um, you know, it wasn't as great as Kareem and Russell and, um, and will maybe, or, you know, he maybe even Jack, but, um, yeah, but I think he's firmly in that next tier of big men. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's right there with, you know, with, um, you know, Ewing, maybe even Hakeem and, um, you know, David Robinson's another guy who's like the the repetition isn't quite as good, but you look at the numbers and they're just like amazing. And obviously he was a great player too and um, so forth. But I mean, I think he's like around kind of that, like that second tier of big men. And there's so many great big men that you could be kind of like, well, maybe he's just on the outside looking in. But I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of like him. I, I kind of like him being on there right now. I mean, he's you know he's he's on the you know he's he's not in for me, but he's definitely a guy who you know I'll you know he's he's I would consider him likely or you know or, or close to likely. So does his gigantic afro uh, rise him up the rankings a little bit? Can oh, we, can we give him a bump for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when you can connect like a longish sort of beard with the top <laughs> of your afro in terms of like overall height of hair. One of the I mean, there's a huge afro and then a little bit of a goatee, but they're connected by the sideburns. Like it, it's it's really an untouchable haircut. Well, so I, I was reading somewhere and I saw that uh, when he signed with the Bulls, they were trying to do this big PR thing, or maybe it was with the the Colonels uh, in the ABA. 
And so they, they measured him and from his uh, the bottom of his feet to the top of his <laughs> afro was seven foot eight. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty impressive and definitely has to go in the uh, in the plus column. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's an all time. It's it's, you know, top five all time afro, I would say, in the uh, in the NBA, ABA, NBA history, you know. So I've got a theory. I've got a theory for why uh, why Gilmore kind of gets kind of kind of kind of gets pushed away. Um, so he left Chicago. They didn't win a title. Jordan comes in and of course creates a dynasty. He goes to say uh, to San Antonio. He leaves. David Robinson comes in. They create a dynasty. And so does do you think he kind of suffers from that same? You know, we were talking about Adrian Dantley uh, er, uh, with with the Pistons, and when he leaves, they win a title. And that that makes us kind of forget how good Dantley was. Do you think Gilmore kind of suffers from that same comparison because he leaves two franchises that become dynasties? Yeah, for me, I think there's enough distance away from those dynasties that are from those, from when he left those teams to win the fact that they started winning titles that I, I mean, I see it, but, but I don't quite think that might be, I think there's a couple of things. One he doesn't have one core team that he played with. Um, mm-hmm. Like he played, you know, basically he played similar number of years and minutes with, with Chicago, Kentucky and the Spurs. Um, so it's, I think it's harder when you don't have like one home for a player when they kind of share homes and that's tougher. His bet, his best, years were with a, a Kentucky Colonels team that doesn't exi- exist anymore, which doesn't help either. Like his memory isn't really kept alive. Like the torch isn't being carried by any of these franchises. And th- that may be part of like, you know, the, you know, back when he played with the bulls and the Spurs, they didn't, neither one of those teams had much of a history. So at the time he played with those teams, he was one of the greatest players they ever had net war. Now, obviously he's not close to where with the bulls and the Spurs, he's not, you know, he, he's not, he's not thought of in those terms because they obviously have the legendary teams that are the first teams that everybody thinks of. So I guess in though, in that sense, it may hurt him, but I, yeah, I don't know if that, that connection is necessarily made specifically. Yeah, no, I, I I tend to agree. I mean, I think there was enough time from, especially you know, focusing on Chicago a little bit. Enough time of of, of those teams, and then you had, of course, the, the post you know artist years, which is like the Reggie Theus years or, or whatever that that were just god awful and just terrible, and uh, like the Orlando Woolridge year. And then you got and then you got Jordan, you got all those. So I think there's enough of a gap between those two. But just speaking from somebody who who you know is kind of in, in you know in Chicago and, and sort of knows that a lot of people don't really mention Artist Gilmore as like an all-time great bull and and those teams are really forgotten those late 70s Bulls teams among casual Bulls fans just a complete non-fact like people do not realize that those teams came within you know a few games of, of you know you know being you know a championship team or at least like you know vying for a championship people just do not know that they just don't forget they there's just so much of that cloud of of, of Jordan and those six titles that that any other Bulls era before that is just completely forgotten about and and I could see that affecting him at least from a national standpoint or from from you know a casual fan standpoint is that you just you forget how good he was and how good those Bulls teams were because they just got swallowed up so yeah I mean it's interesting that you mentioned that Adam because initially I'm thinking no 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 there's no way you know there's seven year gap between you know that you know artists leaving and Jordan coming in but then you think about it and and knowing you know what I know of, of speaking with casual Bulls fans I mean I I, I don't know if I Ask one of my friends what they're, you know, what they think of Artis Gilmore on the Bulls. They probably asked me, uh, I didn't even know Artis Gilmore played for the Bulls, and that's, you know, and he's a guy who in the pre, you know, they show a video before the game, and he's in like two seconds of it. Like you see Artis Gilmore do a hook shot, and that's it, and that's all you got, and it's like, 
but his legacy is huge in Chicago. It should be huge in the Chicago, but it's not. So yeah, I, I guess you know at first I thought you were kind of you know maybe on the wrong, right, not the right track. But I don't know. There's a lot to that. I think so. It, it's interesting. That was that was a really good point. Well, if you look, I mean, if you look at the two big bulls eras, obviously there's the '90s era, uh, but then they were really good in the early '70s, and then in the middle you have Reggie Theus and Artis Gilmore and Orlando Woolridge. I mean, I, yeah, think, right, I, right. I think you're right. I think that kind of gets they definitely get lost. I mean, the, the early 70s stuff is is you know forgotten enough, let alone the teams in the middle that weren't that great. And yeah, I mean, I I, I agree that the that obviously the the Jordan era Bulls are are great in the 90s and artists is gone by 82 or 83 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think that there is kind of that, um, you know, that that lack of, of institutional memory or whatever about these these all-time greats and and because he didn't have a home like like uh jason mentioned san antonio chicago kentucky he kind of he didn't bounce around but he he didn't have a what i would consider a home franchise yeah i i do think that makes a difference for guys how they remember i mean i really do think if if you don't have someone kind of carrying your torch you're not going to be as remembered nearly as much as you know in, in if you were as you were part of like one team and obviously winning championships helps and gilmore never did in the nba so um, uh, but yeah, it, it just doesn't have that one. So it, it, it's, it's harder, I think for guys to get remembered. Uh, and, uh, you know, Gilmore didn't play most of his career didn't really play in a time when the NBA was, uh, you know, a, a sport that was that popular, you know, was toward the end of the, his career when it started to really take off. So that's another factor. And he was playing in San Antonio then who wasn't really pay much pay attention to. So. He's a guy that's interesting to wonder, you know, if the marketing machine of the NBA, if, if he was in his prime when the marketing machine of the NBA really got going, really understood, would he be a guy that they would market or would he be a guy they would sort of pull to the back? I, I, I don't know. I, I, he's interesting because we talk about the hair and we sort of laugh about that and we sort of think, you know, obviously he probably wouldn't have that, you know, in the mid 80s or whatever. But thinking if the, if the NBA had, you know, the marketing muscle it did in the 80s, in the 70s, you know, the late 70s or whatever, when he was still pretty good. It's an interesting thing to think if he would do that because he's a very, you know, he's a big character. He's very loud, you know, on the court in a lot of ways. And he kind of gets lost in that because it's the era that sort of gets lost. I and mean, we talked about this off air when we were talking about, you know, various projects that 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 we're all doing or, or you two specifically are doing. And his best time was in an era where people just kind of go, you know, I don't know if any casual fans know much about anything about the 70s NBA. So it, it hurts a lot, I think. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Adam? No, that's all. Thanks for having me again. Oh, no problem. And uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, continuing to check out our shows. Uh, we're continuing this Top 50 uh, project until the uh, beginning, uh, until right before the beginning of the season. So we'll keep uh, having episodes looking at guys until we get to the end and pick our new Top 50. Um, you can find our podcast at harvardprocessism.com. We also are on iTunes, both the Harvard Paroxysm Basketball Network, a podcast, and we also have our own iTunes feed now over and back, uh, NBA. If you search for that, you'll find us there. We would appreciate a rating and review on either or both feeds. It helps uh, people find us um, and uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter at over and back NBA. And uh, also uh, over and back NBA.com for uh, you can uh, check out our forums where we have a lot of discussions about uh, the top 50 players and other things. So uh, have a good uh, a community discussion there that uh, Adam is grateful enough to uh, be a part of. That. So uh, thanks uh, everyone for uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again soon.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.